you're healed or you're healed. Does the Bible really say that? Howdy, friends, and welcome to another episode of His Redemption Road. I am your host, Natalie. Come along as I share fresh revelation, extraordinary testimonies, dreams, and visions intended to break chains, reveal the unfailing love of the Father, and ultimately spur us on toward the road to redemption. So invite your friends, lace up your hiking boots, and let's take a stroll toward freedom down His Redemption Road. So today's question is, you're healed or you're healed? Does the Bible really say that? This is actually a difficult subject for me to talk about on here, especially because so many people that I absolutely love and adore use this particular phrase. And we need to get to the truth or the bottom of whether or not this phrase is correct or not. Personally, I do not believe this is a necessarily bad phrase or a necessarily good phrase, but we need to get to the truth of the phrase. I have been known to say this myself in the past. I have not said it for over two years now, and you're about to find out why. So the question is, you're healed or you're healed? Well, let's ask, what is healing? According to the Century Dictionary, healing is one, a covering. Two, the act or process of making or becoming whole, sound, or well. Number three, it's a cure, the means of making whole. Number four, the process where the cells in the body regenerate and repair themselves. Number five, an act of healing, as by a faith healer. Number six, the psychological process of dealing with a problem or problems. So we can see from this definition that healing is to make something whole, sound, or well, to cure something, to repair something. It is dealing with a problem or problems, maybe that could be physically, mentally, emotionally, even financially or relationally. And it is often coupled with faith of some type. In Christianity, we believe in healing from God. God is the healer, the master physician, and his name as such is Jehovah Rapha which means God, my healer. So the other question is, what is death? Because in the question, you're healed or you're healed, it's basically saying you are healed on earth in your body because we prayed for you, or you are healed because you die and go to heaven. So then I have to ask, what is death? Well, death, according to that same dictionary, is the act of dying, termination of life, or the state of being dead. So to me, that is pretty much the opposite of healing. It is terminating life here in the physical, here on earth. What is heaven? Okay, so in the Christian belief, 
uh, we believe and more than believe, we know that after dying, you go on to what is called eternal life or your life in eternity. And there are only two places for that. There is heaven and there is hell. And so we have to ask, okay, if we are dying, then what is heaven? Well, according to the Century Dictionary, heaven is the abode of God, the angels, and the souls of those who were granted salvation. It is an eternal state of communion with God or everlasting bliss. Now, I think it's interesting that it says uh, the abode of the souls of those who are granted salvation. Actually, friends, salvation is offered to every single person. Uh, the granting takes place when we accept it. Just like if you are at a Thanksgiving dinner and the hostess of the home that you are in is offering you a piece of pie with a cup of coffee. It is offered to everyone there at the Thanksgiving table, but it is up to you to individually accept or reject that piece of pie and coffee. Is she going to force it down your throat? Well, I'm sorry if you don't want it. You're going to have this pie and coffee. And she holds you down and force feeds you and make you drink coffee. No, she's going to let you accept or refuse that after dinner treat. Well, it is the same with heaven. With heaven, God is offering you an afterlife treat. It's basically to accept or reject him. It's not pie and coffee. It is the sacrifice that Jesus made. And if you do not accept your pie or coffee, what is the default? The default is no pie and no coffee. Well, it's the same with Jesus. If you do not accept Jesus, the default is no heaven, not no Jesus. So then what is the alternative? That is hell. So according to the Century Dictionary, hell is a state of separation from God, exclusion from God's presence, a situation or place of evil, misery, discord, or destruction, an extremely difficult experience, torment, or anguish. So here we have a picture of what hell is. So you don't want the after dinner pie and coffee or the, uh, and, and so you end up with none. Well, same thing here. If you do not want the afterlife of spending eternity with God in his glory and his righteousness, the antithesis of that is a separation from God and an exclusion of God's presence, which is hell. So let's keep going. The statement we're questioning is you're healed or you're healed. Is that correct? Well, I'm going over this because back in August of 2020, so that's two years ago now, I was awoken in the middle of the night by extremely unsettling dreams. These dreams were not nightmares where an evil was chasing me or some other monster was lurking in the shadows, but rather it was simply a series of non-cohesive and repetitive dreams where people, oftentimes people I very much love and respect, were saying, you're healed or you're healed. And it was almost as if they were saying it to people to comfort them. They were saying it in church services, Bible studies. They were saying it in small groups. And 
all over the, at funerals. They were saying it everywhere as a means of comfort. And again, I have said this phrase prior to this date. I had said this phrase as well. But the meaning, uh, the meaning of the saying was not uncommon to me in my dreams because it was often used in real life among my fellow Christians in my circle. And it still is today. It basically means that we will pray for your healing and you may be healed now here on earth. Or if you die, you're healed anyway when you go to heaven, if you are a Christian. So basically, you're healed or you're healed. Well, as I dreamed this dream, different people saying this over and over again, it felt very wrong and even began to make me feel ill to my stomach due to the complete wrongness of the phrase. I've mentioned before that in dreams, feelings can be much more heightened than what you feel here on earth because God is trying to settle it in your spirit and soul. He's trying to settle it in your heart and mind, what it is that you're dreaming so that he can get the message across that he is speaking to you. So I was extremely disturbed. I woke up deeply, deeply disturbed in the middle of the night. And I spent the next several hours with God as he began to speak to me about why I had the negative feelings that I did and what his truth about healing is. And this is why I'm covering this. So before I tell you what God shared with me, let's go to scripture. In the following scriptures, we will see that when Jesus healed, the person was healed physically and continued to live here on earth as a healed person. Never once did Jesus heal someone by telling them that they were going to die to be healed in heaven. So in Matthew 8 verses 2 through 3, a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So here's a leper who was very much on the road to death. Jesus did not say, it's okay, son, you'll be healed one day. Just believe in me and you'll go to heaven. No, what did he do? He reached out his hand. He touched the untouchable and he was immediately cleansed. In Luke 17, 12 through 19, this is another story of the lepers. He entered, Jesus entered a village and 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him and they raised their voices because they weren't supposed to come near him. So they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Well, they obeyed. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Again, he could have yelled out, hey, friends, just believe in me. And when you die, you'll be healed in heaven. But he didn't do that. He spoke and they were cleansed as they obeyed him. Mark 3, which this story is also found in Matthew and in Luke, um, says, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he, that's Jesus, said to the man, there was a man standing in front of him with a withered hand. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
and he stretched it out and his hand was restored. So this is a particular story where Jesus is in the synagogue and people are really upset that he's about to heal on the Sabbath and he does it anyway. So here he goes against convention. He heals on the Sabbath and he doesn't tell the man, oh, don't worry, just believe in me. And when you die, your hand will be whole. No, he has the man stretch out his hand. And when the man obeys, he is healed and restored immediately. In Matthew 8, this one is about, oh, I love this one. This is a centurion, a Roman centurion. So he's not even Jewish who has a servant that is like family to him. And he comes to Jesus asking for his servant to be healed. And in Matthew eight thirteen, Jesus said to the centurion, go, and it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. So here we see that Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't say, oh gosh, you're a centurion. You're not even a Jew. No, actually he praises this man's faith in this particular story. Go read it in Matthew 8. Also, he didn't say, yikes, you know, if it was your brother or your father or your friend, maybe, but it's a servant. So I can't do this. He's just going to have to die. No, that didn't happen. The servant was healed that very moment to live here on earth. In Luke 4, 39, this story is also in Matthew and Mark. Um, this is Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick and Jesus is standing over her and he rebukes the fever and it leaves her immediately. And she gets up and she begins to wait on the guys. I just think that was her, her love, her adoration and her hospitality. But again, he didn't say, gosh, you know, she's going to have to die from this fever. No, he healed her to live another day. This just keeps going and going. Um, there's one where an official's daughter dies and he raises her from the dead. There's one where the demon was cast out of a mute man in Matthew nine, and they had never seen anything like this before. So these accounts, there are many, many more accounts of Jesus, not only healing the sick, but he also raises the dead and casts out demons in the Bible. And we know from scripture that not all the accounts are written down because there would be too many of them uh, for the books to hold, but that these were recorded, the ones that are in the Bible were recorded so that we may believe that we may what? believe, not doubt, not have unbelief, but believe because it's not the lack of faith that is the believer's issue. It is unbelief, unbelief. It's almost like it counteracts like a dumb dummy weight belief. And so we have to crush unbelief in order to believe that, that scripture is in John 20 verses 30 through 31. It says, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that means anointed one, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. 
So let's talk about heaven for a second. The Bible says that heaven will have no more tears, no death, no crying, no pain, no more hunger or thirst. It says that everything will be made new. We will drink from the spring of the water of life and there will be no darkness. There will be no night, no curse, no need of a lamp or sun for God will give his light. It is the dwelling place of God and his angels and all those who received his salvation. Heaven is eternal, never ending. It is a place filled with worship and each one there, each person, angel, being there will have purpose and direction. You can find many of these descriptions in Revelations verses 21 and 22. Well, if that's what heaven is like, what is hell like? The Bible says that hell will be filled with the cowardly, the unbelieving, that is a key word right there, unbelieving, the vile. Now remember, the vile is according to God's standards and God is perfection. So unless we have accepted the, sacri- the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ to remove our imperfection, then we're vile. So vile murderers. Well, you might say, well, I've never murdered. That's not me. Well, remember, hatred, Jesus said, is murder in your heart. Also, the sexually immoral. Well, I've never been sexually immoral. Well, again, lust is adultery of the heart. So Jesus takes it all the way to a heart matter. These things are not just physical things done. These are acts done in the heart, felt and thought against someone. Those who practice magic arts, idolaters. An idolater is someone who puts themselves and other things above God. All liars. That's including those who lie to themselves and believe a lie. It will be consigned to the hell will to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. It is called the second death for it is an eternal death separated from life. Some of those descriptions can be found in Revelations 21. Hell is also a place of eternal punishment, separation from God. It was not made for man, but for Satan and his followers. But man can go there if they choose separation from God and his way to eternal life, which there's only one way, which is through Jesus. And it is our choice, a choice. God gives us free will choice. Hell is described as the realm of the dead, place of everlasting destruction, a place apart from the presence of God. A blazing furnace with the weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place of decay where the fire never goes out. A cursed place with chains of darkness and a place of thirst. So heaven and hell are two completely um, opposite places because God is everything good and love and light. So the absence of him removes everything good and loving and light in it. It created this place for Satan and we have a choice to go there or not, 
by choosing God. And by default, if you do not choose God, you choose Satan. So two years ago, what God told me in that night of August 2020, God taught me that there are basically three divided camps in the church about healing and that division, the division of these camps causes death. Camp number one, people believe that God does not heal today except for very special circumstances. There's a whole group of people that call themselves Christians that believe that God does not heal today except for very special circumstances. Camp two, um, people believe that God heals sometimes, but you're healed physically here on earth or you're healed by dying and going to heaven. So don't worry if you or a loved one die, because if they know Jesus, they are in heaven. Well, what about those that don't know Jesus? You better worry about them because they are not in heaven. Camp number two, the one we just said, they believe a true outcome. You are either healed on earth or you die and go to heaven. But the doctrine is false. So um, if the outcome is true, then what's the big deal? Well, God's truth is the big deal. And this is why he woke me up in the middle of the night. It is important for us to soften our hearts, humble our pride, and learn what God says is truth. Camp number three, people believe God both saves and heals today and that both are for everyone. God heals on earth and you go to heaven when you die if you know Jesus. Both are sozo, which is the Greek word for salvation, but both are not healing. So basically, uh, healing is sozo. Sozo or salvation was done for our spirit, our soul, and our body. It was done for our healing. It was done for our salvation, our mental clarity, all these things. So healing is sozo, okay, which is salvation. Salvation is sozo, but it's not healing. It's salvation. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why does this matter? Um, cause I was so uncomfortable from those dreams, but I had used this word, a bunch of people I love use it. I don't think anyone's a less person for having said that phrase. So I said, why does it matter? And he said, well, division causes doubt and confusion and a wavering mind causes hypocrisy. So unity in believers and in your own mindset is essential. They, this is Christian people believe that the greater glory is heaven. He said, but I want to bring heaven down to earth. He said, the greater glory is living in heaven on earth and allowing my presence to invade the earthly realm. Heaven has no choice but to be heaven. So it is not the greater of the two. Overcoming Satan in the physical is the greater glory. Then the Holy Spirit continued to say to me, belief, true belief has to spread to the kingdom of darkness to where it knows you believe. Therefore, it flees. The kingdom of darkness believes that you believe and that causes the light to overcome the darkness. You can't convince people in your belief, 
but rather you make the kingdom of darkness tremble and put it to flight so heaven can invade. So basically what he was saying, we have to have no unbelief. We have to believe. And the kingdom of darkness has to recognize that we believe. When that happens, the kingdom of darkness flees. It, it's scared. It, it goes. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how do I do this? And he answered me and said, do not pawn off the work I gave man to do by begging for me to do the work I've already done. He said, fix your eyes on me, on creation, on birth, not on death or disease or removal of the issue. The illness and problem will be removed by life invading and pushing out the problem. Remember, Jesus is life. Not by removing the problem and fixing the area of removal. So removing the problem would cause a void. And then fixing that area of removal is filling that void. Um, Instead, he said, push out that illness or that problem by allowing life, Jesus, to invade this space. So that there's no room for that thing anymore and it leaves. He said, I, God, use creative living power. The tearing down of one, like the illness, for instance, happens due to the building up of the other life. So apply life. I will follow with creative power. Then he said to me, laugh in the face of adversity. Quit getting down or upset. Instead, get angry and righteous. Angry at what? Well, angry at the the invasion of the enemy. So if we're Christians and we're sick or demon oppressed or, you know, have mental illness or, or some sort of depression, something, we're to get angry that the enemy is coming as an affront against the temple of the Holy Spirit because we, the Holy Spirit lives inside us. And the Bible says we are temples of the Holy Spirit. It also says we are ambassadors of Christ. Well, Anything that is um, from the enemy, like illness, disease, insanity, those types of things, those would be an invasion of the temple of the Holy Spirit or an invasion or an affront against an ambassador of Christ. So God said, walk in boldly, proclaim directly, know fully, leave without a doubt. And in some cases, you may need to pray for no human intervention Because good intentions can kill. He said, worship me on the way. Even the stars and rocks sing to me. You must sing to me too. He said, illness does not exist in my presence. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and do not lean on your own or others earthly understanding. Acknowledge me in absolutely everything and you cannot fail. Be brave, be bold, do the things I tell you, even when they seem silly or uncomfortable. I rarely do things that make the world comfortable. I am the opposite of the world. I mix mud. I touch lepers. I redeem adulteresses. I talk to dead people and they live. I ride on the back of the gospel 
and the gospel rides on the back of manifestation. They go hand in hand, tandem. I inhabit your praises. Do not carry heaviness, but rather a lightness of heart and step. My kingdom is joyous. So I asked God, I said, well, what should the phrase actually be? We hear you're healed or you're healed. And I said, well, what should the phrase actually be? He said, you're healed or you're home. And home depends on each individual person's acceptance or rejection of Jesus. If you believe that he is God, died for your sins, is the only way to heaven, and you've made him your Lord and Savior, following him in his truth, his ways, and with relationship, then home will be heaven. If you have chosen to reject Jesus as those things and live without him here on earth, then you choose to live without him in your final home in eternity, which is a place filled with the absence of God, hell. If God truly is love, good, light, life, then the place without him is the antithesis of those things, which are hate, evil, darkness, and death. So choose wisely now, for this life sets the stage and is the training ground for eternity. Friends, let's be healed. And when it's time, let's go home. You and I must count the cost of following Christ. It is not a prayer said with the lips, but rather said with the heart. A covenant to follow Jesus all the days of your life in his truth and righteousness. To run the race set before you by God. To persevere to the end. To have a deep and meaningful relationship with him. To allow this life to be the training ground for your eternal life in heaven because the only other option is eternity in hell. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and follow him all the days of your life, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I have lived my life my way and I have lived it without you. But Jesus, I know now that you are the only way to heaven. And you are the way, the truth, and the life. I give myself to you and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. To remove my sins from me. And to help me to follow you all the days of my life. That you would put people in my path and as my friends. To help me grow in you and learn who you are. Give me an excitement of, of you. That every day on this earth it's exciting to follow Jesus Christ. Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Show me your vision and plan for my life. And let me have a deep and lasting relationship with you, hearing your voice and obeying you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Your engagement will help others find us. You can stay connected with me on Facebook or Instagram at His Redemption Road. Have an amazing week in the Lord and be blessed everywhere you go.